Friends, this is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Please join in our call to worship. People of God, open your eyes. Let us see the wonders of the world around us. People of God, open your ears. Let us hear God's voice calling to us this day. People of God, open your mouths. Let us speak words of gentleness and grace to one another. People of God, open your hearts. Let us worship the God who shows us how to love. through us each day, guiding us towards those holy moments of love and compassion for one another. Let us also take this time to be transparent 
about our lives and about our living. Let us offer to God the truth as we pray together. Merciful God, when our attempts at love fall short, when we are too busy to notice our neighbor, or when we are too distracted to notice you, forgive us. When our lives slide out of balance, when we insist on adding one more thing, or when we fail to help someone in need, forgive us. When we forget who we are, when we don't believe we are enough, and we anxiously try to earn our salvation, forgive us. Help us to trust the truth of who you are, and let that define our days. Beloved, God accepts you for who you are. God welcomes you just as you are. God meets you where you're at in this moment. God named you, God loves you, and you are made in God's image, and so is the person beside you. Friends, believe the good news of the gospel. In Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. Thanks be to God. which is the greatest commandment? Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. And so just as Christ shared words of peace with the people around him, let us do the same. The peace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you and also with you. Please share the peace.
Friends, welcome once again to worship on this Lord's Day. Jesus assures us that anytime two or three are gathered, he is there, and surely he is among us this day. It is our hope that whether you are a first-time visitor or a long-time member, that you will find something during the course of this time here that challenges you or comforts you or otherwise moves you forward in some way on your walk of faith. You have made us better by being here, each and every one of you. If you are seated on the edges of the pews and have access to those maroon pew pads, we invite you to sign your name and pass them down and back again. As they make their way across, feel free to look inside, and if there are names that you don't know yet, we invite you to change that before you go home today so that everyone will feel welcome here. As you're doing that, a few announcements to remind you about. I'm going to continue reminding you that Beverly's adult education class happens right before this service. So um, next week, if you wish you had been here, you can plan to be here next week. It's a study on the Gospel of Luke. And then we are starting a new offering this fall. There will be an evening Bible study um, two Mondays a month. The details are in your bulletin. Um, But tomorrow we will begin with an overview of the Gospels, and then we'll move to a study that includes N.T. Wright's book, Simply Jesus. Um, I would encourage you to read the book, even if you're unable to join us for the study. I have read it. I commend it to you. Um, And if you are able, join us tomorrow evening. If you need more encouragement, refreshments will be provided. Um, I also need to remind you that John Trout's memorial service will be today. It's at 3 o'clock here in the chapel. So those of you that knew him or knew of him or shared some part of life together, we encourage you to be here for that. The last announcement about today is just, um, I am looking for anybody, let me clarify that, I am not looking for someone to read scripture today, I will give you more notice than that, but if you are interested in reading scripture at any point during the year in worship, um, let me know, we are looking to have more people do that. Finally, next Sunday, we have a shelter open house. The shelter reopens soon, and we want to make that available to everyone to see what that is and how you might be part of it. And then also tomorrow, I should not be doing the announcements today. It's not tomorrow, it's next Sunday. We have a senior fellowship lunch in the parish hall following this service as well. Details about all of this and a full calendar of events are in your bulletin. It is clearly time for me to stop talking. Let us turn our hearts and minds to scripture. Our first reading today is from the prophet Jeremiah, chapter 4 verses 11 and 12, and 22 through 28. But first, let us pray. Open our hearts and our minds, Almighty God. Enable your word to find its way into our lives, and enable us to live accordingly. Amen. At that time, it will be said to this people and to Jerusalem, A hot wind comes from me out of the bare heights in the desert towards my poor people, not to winnow or cleanse, a wind too strong for that. 
Now it is I who speak in judgment against them. For my people are foolish, they do not know me. They are stupid children, they have no understanding. They are skilled in doing evil, but do not know how to do good. I looked on the earth, and lo, it was waste and void, and to the heavens, and they had no light. I looked on the mountains, and lo, they were quaking, and all the hills moved to and fro. I looked, and lo, there was no one at all, and all the birds of the air had fled. I looked, and lo, the fruitful land was a desert, and all its cities were laid in ruins before the Lord, before his fierce anger. For thus says the Lord, The whole land shall be a desolation, yet I will not make a full end. Because of this the earth shall mourn, and the heavens above grow black. For I have spoken, I have purposed, I have not relented, nor will I turn back. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. the young people to come join me here.
Welcome. I'm so glad that you all are here. Christopher? What is this called? Do you remember what this is called, where we're standing here? What do we call this beautiful, big, green bowl? The font. You can't see it? You're leaning on it. Do you want to see inside of it? There's no water in it today. But we call it the baptismal font, right? And when we baptize someone, there are words that we always say. We scoop up the water and we say, I baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And then we put a little bit of oil on their heads. And the other words we say are, you are a child of the covenant, sealed by God's Holy Spirit and marked as Christ's own forever. Those words mean that we belong to God and nothing can ever change that. Nothing that we do can stop God from loving us, and there's nowhere we can go where God will not come and find us. Jesus told a couple of stories that Jenny is going to read from the Bible in just a minute that teach us about how much God loves us. In the first one, there's a shepherd who has a hundred sheep, and one of them, a hundred, yes, that sounds like a lot, right? A hundred sheep. And one of those sheep gets lost out in the wilderness. Now, do you think that shepherd said, Well, I still have 99 sheep. That's good enough. I'll just let that one stay lost. Nope. Every single sheep matters. And the shepherd goes out and looks for that sheep until he finds it and he carries it home. And he is so happy that he calls out to his neighbors and his family and he says, come celebrate with me. Let's have a party because I found my sheep that was lost. And then in the second story, Jesus talks about a woman who has ten silver coins and she lost one of them. She lit her lamp so she could see into all the dark corners of the room and she swept the floor and she searched and searched until she found that one coin. And then she called her friends and neighbors together I said, come celebrate with me. I found the coin I had lost. So Jesus is telling us that God is like that shepherd and that woman. God will never forget about us. God will never stop caring for us, no matter how lost we may feel, or even if we forget about God. God will keep looking and looking for us and will bring us back home to God. So I'm going to do something to help you remember that you belong to God forever and how much God loves us. Is it okay with you if I put a little bit of oil on your head? Can I do that? You belong to God. You belong to God. Christopher, can I put a little tiny bit on your head? You belong to God. I'm going to put some on me too. I belong to God. How about we ask everybody to say that? I belong to God. Let's all pray together so children and grown-ups can say after me, Thank you, God, for never giving up on us, for always loving us, and for bringing us home. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 
Thank you. You can either go sit back with your parents or go out to children's worship. Our gospel reading today comes from Luke's gospel, chapter 15, the first ten verses. It came to be so that all the tax collectors and sinners were coming near to listen to Jesus. And the Pharisees and the scribes were grumbling and saying, This fellow welcomes sinners, and he eats with them. So he told them this parable. Which one of you, having a hundred sheep and losing one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness and go after the one that is lost until he finds it. When he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders and rejoices. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Just so, I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous people who need no repentance. Or what woman, having ten silver coins, if she loses one of them, does not light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? When she has found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the coin that I had lost. And just so I tell you, There is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So today we find ourselves in the lost chapter of the Bible. Now, I just read to you from it, so obviously I don't mean lost like the city of Atlantis or Amelia Earhart's airplane. It's the lost chapter because it's three stories, all distinct and yet all intertwined, about losing something. We read the first ten verses, the stories of the lost sheep and the lost coin. What follows for the rest of the chapter is one of the most familiar stories in all of Scripture, the story of the prodigal son, or as I have come to think of it, the story of the lost family. A quick recap of that story, in case you, like me, need that every once in a while. A man has two sons, and the younger son asks for his inheritance early. The father agrees, so the younger son leaves, traveling and living extravagantly and squandering everything he has, everything he's been given. Then a famine sweeps through the land, and the son realizes the only real option, if he is to survive, is to return to his father and beg forgiveness. The story tells us, then, that he sets off for home, but before he can make it all of the way, his father sees him from far in the distance, and he runs full tilt at his youngest son, and he embraces him and kisses him and calls for a party celebrate his return. The older son, the one who had stayed behind, 
the one who dutifully did all the work of two sons on his own. Well, he returns from the fields to discover what the fuss is about, and he is angry and refuses to join the party. When his father comes and begs him to join, the older son cuts him off. You have done nothing for me, he says, despite all of my loyalty to you. And now this irresponsible, wayward little boy returns, and you pull out all the stops. So the father replies, you have always been with me, and everything I have is yours. But even still, celebrate and rejoice because your brother was dead and has come back to life. He was lost, and now he is found. So there you have it, the lost chapter of the Bible. The shepherd who leaves 99 sheep behind and goes looking out for the one that is lost. The woman who sweeps her entire house looking for the one coin that is lost. And a lost son who leaves home. And a lost son who stays home. And a lost father struggling to reunite his broken family. This chapter of Luke shows us what we already know in our hearts. That there's more than one way to be lost. At the start of every new school year, I remember a blog post that I read years ago. Glennon Doyle is an activist and an author, and she starts the post talking about attempting to help her son with his fifth grade math homework. That part of the story ends with Glennon being the one receiving the after school tutoring from her son's teacher. The teacher was showing her the new way we do long division. Glennon says, well, I don't have anything to forget since I never mastered the old way of doing long division. Once the math lesson is complete, the two adults continue talking. They talk about how some of the most important things that children learn in school have very little to do with math or history or spelling. Then the teacher told Glennon about her Friday afternoon practice. Every Friday afternoon, the teacher asks her students to take out a piece of paper and write down the names of four classmates they would like to sit with next week. The students know their requests may or may not be honored, but they are welcome to make them. She also asks the students to write down the name of one classmate they believe has been an exemplary citizen the past week. And then all of those papers are handed individually to her. That same afternoon, after the students go home, this teacher, she takes all the pieces of paper and she spreads them out in front of her and she studies them as a whole. She's looking for patterns, she says, and not just because she teaches math. She pays attention to who is not getting requested by anyone, or who doesn't even know four names to write down. She's looking for who never gets noticed enough to be nominated, or who had a dozen friends last week and none this week. You see, she's not looking for a new seating chart or for exceptional citizens. She's looking for the lonely students, 
She's searching for the ones who are struggling to connect. She's identifying the ones who are prone to fall through the cracks. She's discovering whose gifts go unnoticed. She's watching out for who might be a victim of bullying and who might be doing the bullying. That teacher is looking for the students who are lost. There's more than one way to be lost, and we almost always need help to be found. Emmy Kegler, in her book, The Lost Coin, she has opened my eyes in dramatic new ways to this chapter of the Gospel. You see, the standard way of interpreting these stories is to understand ourselves as the wandering sheep, the lost coin, and the foolish younger brother all lost, and then all found. But here, Kegler points out something that I had never even thought about before. Yes, sheep wander. And yes, children and siblings make hasty decisions. But coins? Coins cannot get lost on their own. They can't roll away by themselves. Coins get lost because their owners aren't careful. Whoever was in charge was wasteful or absent-minded. Coins get lost because they lose their shine, because dirt and rust cling to them, and without careful attention, they turn a color indistinguishable from dust and mess, and they can no longer be found. In other words, it's not the coin's fault in the slightest that it is lost. And after reading one of these three stories differently, it's interesting to look at the others differently, too. As for the lost sheep, it's true the whole herd was endangered when the shepherd left them to chase it down. But sheep wander. It is in their nature. They were made that way. Most herd animals are. That's why shepherds exist at all. Because sheep are, like the old hymn goes, prone to wander and prone to leave the one they love. And most of the time, sheep wander for good reason. They wander because they're hungry. The field they've been brought to, it isn't fertile enough, or there isn't enough good water or enough green grass. It's not about being rebellious or sinful or stubborn. It's about those pangs that hit you in the side when you realize you need more than is being provided for. Or sheep wander when they are sick or injured or older. They are exhausted from the heat or tired from the walk. They fall to the back of the herd or they lie down for just a moment to rest. And if that herd moves on without them, they aren't wandering. They're just left behind. And sometimes sheep run. Because 100 sheep are 100 potential meals to the predators that wander that very same land. And on occasion, a sheep has to flee as fast as its hooves can carry it. And sometimes, getting lost is simply the cost of staying alive. 
something in all of this feels familiar, doesn't it? We all know something about wandering. Haven't we all at one time or another tried to find something that will fill us, or somewhere safe to rest, or someone to protect us from a world that seems bent on devouring us? Now as for the prodigal son, Kegler says, if I am to understand myself as the second son, I have a lot of questions. Why, she wonders, does the younger son want to leave? What could cause this sort of fracture? Why does the father agree to give him the money? And does the father come to regret that decision and wish he had done something differently? She says, I like the image of the father pacing the edge of his land, wrinkled hand shielding his eyes, peering off into the distance where he saw his youngest son last. He didn't go after him, but maybe he never stopped looking for him. Maybe there was transformation for the father as well. Maybe while the son misspent his money, the father was regretting misspending his time. Maybe while the son was starving for food, the father was starving for reconciliation. And maybe, just maybe, if something was wrong enough in this family to make the son leave, maybe there was something right enough in the leaving to make the father change. Sometimes the responsibility for our getting lost rests squarely on our shoulders. And sometimes the responsibility for our getting lost is in part a communal effort. Now to read this chapter from Luke with its traditional interpretation isn't wrong. It has much to teach us. And to read this chapter with Emmy Kegler's insights isn't wrong because it too has much to teach us. Because here's the thing, the gospel doesn't ask us to choose one interpretation over the other. The gospel is and always has been multi-layered and rich with meaning and able to speak to us no matter where we are. There is an ancient story. It's claimed by many traditions. The key components are blind men and an elephant. One of the most famous versions is in a poem by John Godfrey Sachs. In his version, six blind men, all unfamiliar with what an elephant is, are asked to touch one and describe it. So the first man, he reaches out and he touches the elephant's side and he proclaims that elephants are like walls. The second man does the same, but he reaches out and grabs a tusk. And so he says that elephants are like spears. The third man touches the elephant's leg and compares it to a tree. The fourth reaches for the elephant's tail and says, well, elephants are like ropes. And so on. And each person in this poem is entirely right. Each person is absolutely correct based upon where they are standing, based upon their location in this elephant exercise and in life. 
And they are more right when they put it all together. There's more than one way to be lost. Maybe it's the result of your own mistakes. Maybe it's the result of the mistakes of others. Maybe you've wandered. Maybe you've been misplaced. Maybe you've discovered that you are far away from home and you are hungry for food and so much more. No matter what the circumstance, no matter what your story, the ending is always the same. The sheep is found and the shepherd calls to all those around, come and rejoice with me. The coin is found and the woman calls to her neighbors and friends, come and rejoice with me. The family is found and the father calls to everyone in the neighborhood, come and rejoice with me. No matter what, no matter how lost you may be, you will be found. You are being found right now. You are never outside the reach of God's love. And if we listen, we can hear the voice of God calling not only to us, but to everyone around us, come and rejoice with me. Come and rejoice. Pray with me. Gracious God, we believe. Help our unbelief. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. you are able and join me in our affirmation of faith as printed in your bulletin. And so we say, we believe in one true and living God. God is greater than our understanding. 
We do not fully comprehend who God is or how God works. The Lord's requirements are not always what we think. The Lord's care for us is not always what we want. Even when we are faithless, God remains faithful. We can have confidence in God's coming kingdom, even in the darkest of times. Jesus is the long-expected Savior. He was born of woman, as is every child, yet born of God's power, as was no other child. Through his birth, life, death, and resurrection, he brings about the relationship between God and humanity that God always intended. The Holy Spirit is God active in the world. The Spirit makes real in us what God has done for us. As long as we live, we will struggle with sin, but the Spirit's presence assures us God will complete what has begun in us. We must not set our ultimate reliance on any other help. We must not yield unconditional obedience to any other power. We must not love anyone or anything more than we love God. We praise and enjoy God. To worship God is highest joy. To serve God is perfect freedom. Amen. You may be seated. Let us pray. God of glory, as we look back and recall where we were, who was with us, and how we felt that fateful day of 9-11, may those vivid memories compel us to acts of kindness, words of love, and demonstrations of community. We all were affected by that day somehow, and so we especially pray for those whose lives were changed forever. Grant comfort to those who grieve. Strengthen those who struggle with questions that remain unanswered. Give confidence and security to those who had to change their entire identity. Assure those who worry that maybe they should have said or done something differently. That you gather all those worries up and cradle us close when we can't take one more breath. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. And as the world still heaves with violence, it seems as if war never ends. Assure us, O oh God, that ultimately mourning and fear will be no more. This applies to so many places and people in our world who faces things we will hardly ever understand. And as a church with friends abroad, we especially pray for our partners in Zimbabwe facing a critical time of famine, drought, and political unrest. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. In the midst of suffering, our own and that of the world, speak again and again that there is goodness and there is hope and even joy out there. We remember all those who have gone before us and hold close the families who are grieving, especially the family of John Trout today, and comfort those who are in the hospital or awaiting surgery such as Louis Rodriguez and John Schroyer. May those in pain, discomfort, distress, homebound, homeless, held back, or merely struggling to get out of bed, find some sort of hope, 
some sort of strength, and most importantly, the recognition that they are loved, they are seen, and every inch of them matters. May community uphold our spirit and guide us to comfort. God, who calls us by name, may we see all that you see. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. Amen. In response to God's love, let us offer our lives, gifts, and even abilities to God's church in the world. will never be hungry, and anyone who trusts in me will never be thirsty. 
And so for generations upon generations, people have come from north and south and east and west and all parts in between. And they have found a place at this table. And they have found love in this meal. So come to this table, you who have much faith and you who would like to have more faith. Come to this table, you who know what it is to run, to walk, and to fly, and you who know what it is to stumble. Come to this table, you who understand our vocabulary and our traditions, and you who are still making sense of it all. Come to this table, you who hunger and thirst for a better life and a fairer world, and you who are simply looking for a place to rest. And come to this table, you who have ever been lost. Because at this table, I guarantee it, you will be found. I can guarantee that because this is not my table or even our table. It is the table of Jesus Christ. He is the one who invites you. Which means this meal will not be the same without you. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. Let us pray. We come to this table, gracious God, with grateful hearts, giving thanks for the gift of life in this vast universe you have created. From the far flung galaxies to the ground beneath our feet, from the majesty of mountains and oceans to the most intricate leaves and delicate flowers. We are in awe of your creation. You created us in your very image and set us in this world to love, to serve you and each other. When we have failed to live in love and have turned aside from your ways, you have remained ever faithful, sending prophets in every age to open our eyes and call us back to the way of righteousness and the path of love. You seek us out whenever we are lost and never give up on us. For all of this and so much more, we praise you, joining our voices with your people near and far from every place and every time, who forever sing to the glory of your name. Holy, O God of majesty, and blessed is Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, whom you sent to save us. He came to heal us and was wounded for our sins. He came with mercy in his voice and was mocked as one despised. He came with peace in his heart and met with violence and death. By your power, he broke free from the prison of the tomb and rose to new life. The one who was humble ascended to you to rule over all creation, and he is with us always, as he promised. Remembering all you have done for us, we take this bread and this wine from the gifts of the earth and celebrate with joy the life we have in Jesus Christ. 
With joy and thanksgiving, we offer ourselves again to you and proclaim the mystery of faith. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Gracious God, pour out your Holy Spirit upon us and upon these your gifts of bread and wine, that the bread we break and the cup we bless may be the communion of the body and blood of Christ. By your Spirit, make us one with Christ, that we may be one with all who share this feast, united in ministry in every place. Nourished at this table, O God, may we know Christ's love and live a new life in him. Keep us faithful in your service until Christ comes in final victory, and we shall feast with all your saints in the joy of your eternal realm. Through Christ, with Christ, in Christ, all glory and honor are yours, Almighty God, with the Holy Spirit in the Holy Church, now and forever. Amen. Now with the confidence of the children of God, let us pray as Jesus taught. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. So remember with me how on the night that he was betrayed, Jesus gathered his friends around him, including the one who would go on to betray him. He gathered them around, and he took bread, and he gave thanks to God for it, and then he broke it. And he shared it with them, saying, Take and eat. This is my body, and it is given for you. And he said, Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup and said, This cup is the new covenant, sealed in my blood, poured out for you for the forgiveness of sin. Do this as often as you drink of it as my remembrance. The Apostle Paul tells us that every time we eat this bread and share this cup, we proclaim the saving death of our risen Lord until he comes again. These are holy things to make us holy, the gifts of God for the people of God. Let us keep the feast.
Let us pray. Thank you, O God, for this bread and cup. Thank you for this table to gather around. And thank you for the way you gather us, sheep, coins, and children alike. May this meal remind us of your never-ending, overflowing love that welcomes us all home with a joyful shout and an unending embrace. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
will lead you and countless others all the way home. Amen. Thank you.